Hear ye, hear ye, all hail the meme lord, 10-8 memes. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Good, brother. Thanks for joining me all the way from sunny, humid Florida. I am in sunny, very hot Phoenix. Uh, so we're going to commiserate in our air conditioning together. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's the only way to live. Oh, it's the only way to live, man. Um, just like, uh, so for those of you listening, there will be an episode with Josh Logan from... Uh, Guardian Training and Consulting. That's going to be. There's going to be a little bit of a jumble in there because he and I have to finish because I was on call on Friday night and I did in fact get called out. And Ten Eight knows that life because he's on call right now as well. So we're going to be understanding. And if he ends up getting called out uh, and making that sweet sweet overtime, I'm going to tell him to buy a fucking <laughs> Southwest flight and just come out here and sit across from me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Perfect. but if you get called out, man, we'll just finish it at another time uh, so that. Uh, that way the world can continue to hear your story. Cause usually <laughs> you're in my position and I've, you're, I think you're the first person I've interviewed who also has a podcast. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So um, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, me too. I mean, so my whole podcast journey started, I was the guest on uh, the roll call room podcast and no, there was one before that. And, um, I was like, man, this is pretty cool. I, I don't know if anyone's going to want to hear what I have to say. And then people did. I'm like, sure, I'll try it out. And then after that, no one wanted to talk to me again. But I had like, <laughs> I had two podcasts come out. And uh, yeah, but I feel like when I started mine, there was just like a flood of police related podcasts. Um, like three came out the same day mine did or like the same month mine did. And I'm like, what happened here? And now there's like, so many it's crazy right, right but it's good i mean it's it's nice to have people in this business actually wanting to talk um i think first off it's good therapy for us because we get to like commiserate together and i think it's good for non-leo to listen and be like oh so these people are humans like this right. is like real humanizing the badge not not all this stuff all the you know tomfoolery that happens on the internet this is like legitimate honest conversations and that's why i like it no punisher skulls here i don't, no, well, I don't know if you have all. any punisher skulls in your house but i don't no, have I, any here I do have, I, no not here i've got some batman stuff batman's good to go man i like batman yeah um <laughs> one of my favorite skits is the the college humor Batman skit where he's like, I don't kill people. He's just sleeping and he puts like a batarang through the guy's eyeball. It's pretty awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, college humor. That that was I don't even think they exist anymore, but that that was good times. Yeah, back in the good old days of when life was simpler and there was no COVID. So much simpler. Our internet yep. entertainment came from Vine. Instagram was just a picture yeah. sharing website. So Oh man, we start going on that now train. Look at us. Now look I at know. us. I know. Yeah, we 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 really should have recognized what we had with MySpace and Tom as our friend. We should have just kept that. That should going. have been it. That should have been it. Yeah. That, that should have been never. Everything was fine. Everything was simple. We yep. didn't need ten million social media websites to be friends with the same people and share the same things. Like it, it's so silly. I mean, the difference between my Facebook and my Instagram is that. I mean, I don't really use my personal Instagram and my Facebook is strictly personal, but so many people, you know, you follow them on multiple platforms. They post the exact same things to the exact same people. It's like, what do you do? Why? What is the point of this? Like, cause the same thing that you can do on Facebook, you can now do on Instagram. You can do on TikTok. It's like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, no one, no one needs to hear your story 10 million times. 10 million times over. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a uh, a Blue Line Millennial Facebook page that I rarely ever update because to me it's just Instagram's just a little bit more end user friendly, I think, than Facebook is. Yeah. Even though even though it's yep, all the same have, company, it's just a different platform. So. Yep, I agree. I have a Facebook for Ten Eight Memes too, and it was it wasn't getting nearly the traction I wanted it to because for some reason there's just no reach on Facebook. The reach is on Instagram right now. But then I got a message from Facebook that said that they were going to uh, mute my account or something like that because uh, I posted something that promoted self-harm, which if you've ever listened to any of my content or seen anything, that is the exact opposite of me. Um, and I, they wouldn't even let me see the meme that they were saying said this. And it was it was a Lord of the Rings meme. So I know that it had nothing to do with self-harm. But now none of my... Uh, material is getting published or reached out on Facebook. So I was like, all right, I'm just not even going to post on that anymore. Facebook is one of the most if aggravating you, companies to work with. Right. And if you have a question or there's no customer service, it's like, no. they can't. And if you're a cop who's ever written a warrant to Facebook, you know that you just want to like have a box of number two pencils on standby at your desk so that you can continue to just like snap them in half because you're so frustrated. Because you'll get one Facebook, uh, quote unquote, like, what do they call themselves? Law enforcement support team. Again, quote yeah. unquote. You'll get one answer from one person. And then two weeks later, when they finally answer your email, you'll get a completely different answer from the other person. And it's just. Yeah. The worst that I've ever had was Google. I was trying to get a subpoena of a Google account. And um, they kept rejecting it. To this day, I, I think I gave up on it because it just wasn't worth it anymore. But I went to my state attorney. I said, this is the exact email that I got from Google. And he goes, all right, here's here's what they want. And Google was like, nope, that's not how we want it. And he's like, it's literally verbatim what you had on the email. So, But it's not like you can call Google and be like, hey, what's the issue here? It's, it's so, so annoying. And the same thing goes with, like you said, Facebook. And, um, you know, they're because, you know, there are these huge corporations who care more about their users than you know, truth, justice in the American way. And it's just, it's frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah. We could talk for hours on how frustrated we are as detectives with some of the private companies out there. I will say surprisingly Snapchat, pretty easy to work with user friendly, really? user friendly right. interface. When you go to submit a warrant or a subpoena, they get back to you within like four months, which sounds like an excruciating amount of time, but this, I mean, right. But when you're waiting on nine months for Facebook yeah. or Instagram, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm waiting nine months for my tax stamp on my suppressor. And I, I think I'm just about, I should have it next month. So I'm, I'm oh. no stranger, <laughs> no stranger to waiting, but damn, yeah. there are, there are some places easier to work. You know, with others. my, my dad, he was a cop and he always said that it was hurry up and wait. I didn't realize it was th wait this long though. Right. <laughs> Right, because you have to get your shit together and get that warrant submitted off like right right now, right now, right now, and then you wait for nine months for your information to come back, and then you're constantly yeah. on the phone to your and victim like, so sorry, nothing yet, nope, nothing yet, nope, nothing yet. <laughs> yeah, or for me, because I was working narcotics, my sergeant would be like, hey, what's the search warrant say? I was like, I don't know, boss. I ain't got one yet. Yeah. Like, and he's like, but again, he, he was on my hump about, all right, submit that warrant, submit that warrant. I'm like, why? What's, what's the holdup? Like, <laughs> it, it's just... Yeah, it's frustrating, man. Well, um, very much so. I got to, uh, I got to ask you some icebreaker questions, man. So the world, okay, uh, it's the, okay. The, even though the even though the ice is pretty thin, right? The ice now, is pretty thin right now. We we basically cracked it. I say we just jump on it now, just for the hell of it. Um, yeah, no, go for it. 
But 10-8, I got to ask, man, you uh, you can have a drink with anybody live or, or, excuse me, living or dead, alive or dead. Um, who is it and what are you drinking? Um, so. Not to tease you because you're on call and you can't drink right now, so. I know. Trust me. Trust me. I wish. Um, uh, it would be George Carlin. Um, he's just a hero of mine. Like, as far as my sense of humor, my even my thought processes about life, George Carlin. Um, he really, like when I was a, uh, high schooler and I first discovered some of his skits on YouTube when YouTube first came out, um, and my dad showed me some of his, his skits, um, it resonated with me. So I feel like having a life conversation with him over a drink would be great. Um, and because of that, I feel like I need like a slow sip of bourbon, like not like a beer that you're just going to like get bloated off of like just a slow sipper, just like. You know, whatever he whatever he prefers, but just a slow sipper and we can talk about life and hopefully unravel the mysteries of the universe. There you go, man. Grab yourself some uh, some four roses, single barrel or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah, man. And, and you're a bourbon drinker. Uh, I like you already. And I can tell that uh, I'm pretty sure you and I are basically like the same age because uh, he said, you know, drink a beer to get bloated off of. That's why I stopped drinking beer because I'm sitting there. I'm like. Yeah, whiskey has fewer calories and no carbonation. Deal. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to learn to like yeah. whiskey. I mean, don't. Yeah. So, I mean, I prefer craft beer. I really enjoy it. But yeah, it's very quickly to get you full. And, you know, it's not bad. Like, I, I enjoy going to different craft breweries and trying different stuff. Like, it, it kind of it hits different things for me because I'm not a foodie, but I like to I like food and I like trying different things that taste different. So beer's got that. And then when you travel, I also like to travel then craft you know finding different craft breweries across the country or different states or cities it's like a fun little scavenger hunt so Absolutely. i do enjoy it i I, pr- I probably prefer craft beer over bourbon but i'm trying to get better at bourbon yeah i i mean i completely agree with you man when you're traveling sample what's local i mean that's how my favorite oh, beer yeah. in the world is you can only get it in the united kingdom it's called five grain lager um super uh super sad that i can't get it to export it over here but walked into this itty bitty little pub and the owner came and was chatting with us because oh hey americans like you're fun and different and i'm like he asked me what he wanted to drink i said whatever you say here's what i like brought me around a pint of five grain lager now oh, it's damn delicious and then uh yeah. my wife and i were in Vail uh, up in colorado over valentine's day and there is a um distillery for 10th mountain whiskey um and so mm-hmm. i dude i'm right with you man if you're gonna travel find someplace local um where they serve what's local. So like I'm going yeah. to, I'm going to Hawaii yeah. here in a little bit. Um, and I'm rest assured, I'm going to be trying to find, you know, some local beer, um, something that I, I maybe I can't get here in, here in Arizona. So yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Man. My, my craft beer journey started in Ireland. So in Florida, I went to like one of those like gastro pubs or whatever with all these different craft beers. And I knew nothing. I, I, I wasn't really a beer drinker up to that point. So I ordered a bunch of things, didn't like any of it. Uh, when we went to Ireland, um, of course, I lived on Guinness, um, which, by the way, for anyone that's never been to Ireland, Guinness tastes so much sweeter mm-hmm. and better over in Ireland. It's something with the water. Um, so that's where it started. But really, when I went to the Smittics, uh Brewery in Kilkenny, Ireland, um, Kilkenny or Killarney, I can't remember. But anyway, um, when I went there and they like told you how they make the beer and what different beer does, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this is so cool. And then ever since then, it's been, I'm only going to drink what's local. I'm only going to, you know, so even if, uh, like we went to Nashville for my birthday 
in February. And we went to uh, Corsair Distillery, like somewhere off the beaten path. And that's what we did. We took a tour. We tried all their different, um, what they had. They had whiskeys. They had um, gin. Like I, I'm not a big gin guy, but their gin was amazing. Um, just great stuff. And that's that's kind of my rule of thumb. Whenever I go out of town or wherever I go anywhere, um, I'll even if it's like a bigger pub, like maybe not the brewery where it was made, I'll go and I'll be like, all right, what's from this town? And then I'll strictly order that. Well, I'll tell you what, dude, I'm going to hit the, I plan on hitting the bourbon trail next fall out in Kentucky. So plan accordingly, get your, uh, get your girlfriend on board and, uh, we'll meet you in Kentucky and we'll, we'll cruise it on the bourbon trail and have some really delicious whiskey. Uh, all right. I like it. George Carlin and whatever George Carlin wants, George Carlin gets, um, but, uh, what is a, uh, what is something that you wholeheartedly believe in, uh, that some people consider some or, or most people consider to be a conspiracy theory? Hmm. Ha. Huh. This this could get this could get dicey depending <laughs> on your listenership. But you know what? I'm gonna go a little lighthearted on it. Um so I've got I've got two. I've got two. So one is that Elon Musk is actually an alien and he's trying to go home and that's why he's making all these technological advances. Um wholeheartedly believe that, especially since he was on Saturday Night Live and he like moves around like a robot, dude. I don't know. I've never really I didn't listen to the George um not George. Joe Rogan interview with him. So I, this is my first time listening to him speak and act and whatever. I was like, this guy, he's, there's something weird with him. And his kid's name is like a mathematical equation. Like, <laughs> I don't know. My, my spidey senses are up. And then the second one, this one's a little bit uh, like, if I think about it too much, well, actually there's a third one, but anyway, we'll stick with two. Um, a couple of years ago when they had the large Hadron Collider in, uh, what was that, Norway? Yeah, yeah. Uh, finding the God particle. There's a theory that that opened up a black hole, sucked civilization and life as we know it into it. And we're living in like a alternate universe. And you think of everything that's happened since, like, you know, Donald Trump became president and just, you know, it just kind of goes from there. And it's like, huh, things are kind of weird, aren't they? We we went a little off the rails there for a minute. That would explain it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so we're just so we're just hurtling two. through some sort of space-time continuum exactly that's where it's like you know what yeah maybe maybe we are all right all right i can dig it uh and i don't know that anybody will uh will get too spicy in the comments about uh about either of those what uh <laughs> um elon musk I, there is something about him like he he is a little bit of a i don't know he, he's charismatic but awkward at the same time that's even yeah. a thing. Yeah. And like, he said in that, in his monologue on, on Saturday Night Live, like, you know, I'm, uh, he talked about all of his achievements. He's like, did you really think I was going to be a regular dude? And it's like, that sounds like something an alien would say. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like we got my favorite Martian right on TV yeah. right now. All he would have to say next is I'm not an alien because that is definitely something an alien would say. <laughs> like, right. I don't believe you. Uh, exactly. all right. All right. What, uh, what books are you currently reading or listening to? I did have, I did have somebody ask me if they could talk about their audiobooks. So, so I want to get into audiobooks. I feel like I spend so much time in my car, either at work, even though at work, I can't get into audiobooks or podcasts. I tried, but I'm too focused on what's going on around me that I miss what's going on in the podcast or audiobook. Um, I'm kind of in the middle of a break from books, but I've got a large pile on my coffee table. Um, the first one I'm going to crack into is called Kapikaze. It's by Tom Rizzo. He is a uh, an instructor for street cop training. I've been lucky to kind of been uh, accepted by their training uh, company. 
and uh, he's just a great guy. Everything he says, he's he has a, uh, a leadership uh, class for like supervisors called the Ivory Tower. So he wrote a book. I want to really dig into that. And the other one I really want to dig into is called The Stoic Cop by uh, Bill Morrow. He's a uh, Instagrammer that I had on my show. He was actually the first guy I interviewed. Um, I'm a I'm big into Stoic philosophy, and he kind of takes Stoic philosophy and applies it to law enforcement and kind of it's what I do practically you know every day I try to take a, a stoic philosophy or stoic teaching and apply it to my day-to-day life well he did it in a book form so uh, I bought both of their books first off to support them but now it's time for me to crack them open to read them yeah yeah uh, break down the uh, the stoic philosophy uh, not only for the listeners but even for myself like what uh, what are sort of the, okay. the tenets of it so uh, Stoic philosophy has, uh, it's from uh, ancient Rome, um, actually probably before that, uh, several thousand years old. But the idea is it's got, it's got a couple different tenets to it. But one of the big ones, the one that I like subscribe to a lot is called Amor Fati, which is loving fate. Like whatever happens to you, you love it. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, you just kind of roll with it. Uh, I'm not great with that, but I've, you know, it's, it's practice. Um, so basically, no matter what something good happens to you, you don't celebrate it because, you know, it could go bad in a minute, something bad, you just take it. You take it, you you know that everything is going to be a learning experience, everything is going to create some kind of growth in your life, and you go with it. Um, another idea or another principle is uh, memento mori, which is remember death. I actually, I wear this pennant around my neck every day that says it, um, which is very important in law enforcement, um, especially, you know, we Unfortunately, we saw that uh, a Chicago police officer was killed last night. Another one was uh, greatly injured. Um, it just keeps you in mind of how um, fragile life is and that you could die at any moment. Uh, there's actually a quote by one of the Stoic philosophers, Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor. He says, uh, you could leave life right now. Um, let that determine what you say and do and think or something like that. And, you know, it kind of to quote Tim McGraw, live like you were dying, you know? Um, it's really important. Like I said, it's very important for what we do. Um, so I wear it every day. And, you know, if I'm going into something like a hot call or every, before every search warrant, I would just touch it. And it's a physical reminder to remind myself that. Um, another one is like the obstacle is the way, um, which is basically saying like, you know, if, if you have something going on in your life, something that's struggling, that's the way you want to go. You know, no, uh, what's that saying? Uh, smooth seas don't make skilled sailors. Yep. Yeah. Same idea. So, um, there's a lot of different things to it. Anyone that wants to get into stoic philosophy, um, look up the daily stoic. That's what I, how I got into it. Um, there's a podcast, there's a, a book, um, just, he really breaks it down different learnings and teachings and everything like that. Um, I think it's great. I think it's really good for law enforcement. It's really good just for life in general. I like it. I like it. I'm going to have to get into that. The Daily Stoic. All right. All right. I can do that. Um, let's see. Have I covered them all? I think I have. As far as my icebreaker questions, I keep changing them, like adding them. You know, I'll find <laughs> yeah. one one day and, and not the next. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it, man. So how uh, um, how'd you get your start in, in your uh, law enforcement career? In my law enforcement career? Um, so that actually goes... So I'm a, I'm a history guy. So everything is like cause and reaction, you know? So the story doesn't just start. I didn't just wake up and was like, hey, I'm going to be a cop today. Um, 
I graduated with my associates from a community college here in Florida, and I was a history major. I wanted, at the moment, at that moment in time, or moments before that, I wanted to be a teacher, did some student teaching, didn't like it, didn't like kids that much, but I still wanted to pursue academics. I was thinking maybe I'll be a professor, I'll work in a museum, something. Maybe if I was lucky, I'd be Indiana Jones. Um, so I applied to the University of Florida. I got in and I couldn't afford it. So I was like, well, that sucks. So I quit my job that I had. And I was working for a parking garage, didn't enjoy it. And I was like, I need something bigger in my life. Um, I applied to the local sheriff's office as a dispatcher. Didn't get it. because I had no idea what I was doing in the interview. Year passes. I apply again. This time I read a book um, called The Art of Intelligence, I think it's called. By, it's written by a former CIA agent. And he talks about how he was in the CIA, working in form and stuff like that. He um, was a professor at Johns Hopkins University for foreign affairs. I was like, well, that would be a cool gig. So I applied to the University of Florida for that, got in, couldn't attend because I couldn't afford it. And then at that point, I was like, all right, what, what am I going to do with my life? I'm, I'm in my mid-20s. I got to do something. Bothered a friend of mine that was in the police academy so much. She was like, just go to the police academy. Like, I just asked her so many questions. She's like, just go. Just, just do it. So I did. And my idea at the time was I'm going to go to the police academy, become a cop, go work for the University of Florida Police Department, go to school for free, go do what I want to do with my life. Um, that didn't happen. I took my first couple local ride-alongs while in the academy. I was like, nah. This is what I want to do. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, so I got recruited while in the academy. I graduated the academy in February of 15. A week later, I got hired as a civilian. Six months later, I got sworn in. And six, uh, a few months after that, I was a full-time cop and haven't looked back. Nice. Nice. And good for you, man, for taking that leap. I mean, a lot of people don't know that you can put yourself through a police academy. Um yeah, right. In my area, it's. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jump in there. Um, um, in my area, it's pretty common. Um, you can get sponsored at least back in 2014, 2015, it was pretty common. Um, because you know we were still as a as a country recovering from the Great Recession and all that stuff. So police departments were not really hiring people like that. They weren't really sponsoring in my area. So if you wanted to go, you were self-sponsored. You paid your own way. And uh, that was the only way you were getting in. Um, and then after that, of course, the moment I graduated, my police department was like, yeah, no, we're, we're sponsoring people now. I was like, oh, great. Oh, yeah, thanks. great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Yay for um, me. <laughs> yeah, but I know places like in New Jersey, you have to be hired by a police department to go to the academy. So, Yeah, it, it it's an option out in Arizona. I think it's pretty rare. And right now, I mean, every agency... Uh, shit, every agency probably across the nation has vacancies that they simply cannot fill because they cannot get people to right. step up. I mean, I had, I was talking to a dude in a parking lot one night and he was, uh, I think he was a security guard and, and I'm like, dude, we're hiring. Like, just jump in, man. Like, put your name in the hat. And he was like, oh, I will when things settle down. But like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want you to be a cop in my city. Like, right, right. But I mean, I get it too. I mean, you know, we were talking before we press record that it's such a weird time, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't fault people for saying that it's not for them, but I agree. If, uh, if you're going to wait for things to be nice again, then that's, that, this isn't the gig for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Take a good, everyone long always look. talks about that. Yeah. Everyone talks about that roller coaster. And I was in the Academy during the Ferguson St. Louis thing. So that was a perfect time for me to be like, no, nope, never mind. I'm going to try something else. 
but you know it's you got you have to look at you know people are like oh well the community doesn't respect me so i don't want to be a cop that's that's not what we'd sign up for you know you you got to weigh the pros and cons as in like we were talking about is it worth the sacrifice i think that's fair self-assessment but not oh well, i want people to like me that's not why we become a cop right Stop. don't do that yeah there's a dude you want my... people to like you you know go be you know lebron james people like him yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a dude in my academy class who uh like we graduated the academy he went to work for a different city and then i found out he quit because he's he was like i didn't realize how cops or how nosy cops had to be in this job but like bro you're 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 conducting an investigation into something you you have to ask questions and yeah right, I, I guess right. that's being a little that. nosy like how did you not come to that conclusion mm-hmm. and what pisses yeah, me off about biggest... that is that he took somebody's academy spot who maybe really wanted to be a cop you know like see and that's what pisses me off is when someone or like they'll do all field training they'll get out on their own and then they'll quit mm-hmm. and it's like whoa wait a second man you you we spent all this money on you to get you to this point time money energy and you're just up and leaving like there's gotta you know i think of i try to think about sports and rosters and stuff like that like there has to be some kind of like contract like no you can't just up and leave like you're like from the moment you sign on we got to hold on to you somehow because like retention rates are so bad right now that we need something to keep people on yeah it's not unheard of the dude who sat right next to me in the academy was working for a department in northern arizona and it was uh you had to sign a three-year contract with them so they'll put you through the academy they'll pay your way uh, but you will work for them for three years otherwise you will have to pay them back whatever they're owed yes yep that's when you get sponsored or used to when you get sponsored by my agency that was the that was the clause also um but then i found out that there's loopholes around that too that people were doing so i don't you know there's, there's a way to game the system no matter which way you look at it but i think we need to stick to that a little bit more especially sponsors if you're if someone's hiring you to go to the academy like come on yeah that's, at least that's a low blow yeah at least have the respect to give them you know give them what they now deserve the like what they're years. owed give them the th- you know the two three years exactly um yeah being a cop down in florida uh how many of those uh of those uh modern dinosaurs have you seen walking across the road those those crocodiles and alligators i don't even know what the hell the difference is <laughs> i don't see them so <laughs> so it's an alligator in florida okay, okay um but no i have not on duty thank god because i was not mm-mm. i've seen so the agency that i'm going to uh spoiler alert i'm switching agencies um they they're way more common down where they are because it's warmer um and there was a picture that they posted on their facebook of an alligator underneath a squad car like a guy was in fuck a, that in a, out. <laughs> yeah he was, he was in a call he came out to his car and the, the thing was like just hanging out underneath his car I was like nope that's, that's no that's a no-go for me sir um so no i haven't dealt with them they're they're here like if you're near any fresh water there is a higher than not chance that you're going to come across an alligator. Um, a few weeks ago, I was, I was playing around a golf and I hit my ball into the woods and I was like looking for it. And I, I heard something move in the woods and there was like a little swamp area. I was like, Nope, he can have that ball. I'm not yep, going to be chunked not, happy Gilmore. Not happy. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and play through on this one, guys. I'm going to go ahead and drop a new ball. If everybody's okay with that. Yeah. So I don't get fucking eaten. Yeah. yeah that no people, there. people out in Arizona, man, it's like, Oh, okay. Like rattlesnakes, coyotes, um, 
right. scorpions, but it, well, scorpions and rattlesnakes can't fucking eat you. Like that's why True. I look, that's I look at, uh, at, at gators and like, ah, yeah, the dinosaur wants me dead. The dinosaur is going to kill me. So yeah, there's a, I was talking to my brother-in-law and we were talking about fighting a gator. I don't, the things people in Florida talk about. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was talking about like, Oh, well, if, if you see a, a, um, an alligator's eyes switch colors. That's how you know they're about to attack. I'm like, if I'm that close to see their eyes, I don't care. I'm dead anyway. Nope. Nope. Don't want any part of that. I was taking a tour of Kennedy Space Center several years ago, and they actually okay. have to go through uh, within a certain like uh, like radius of the launch pad and remove all the alligators that just wander into the complex and hang out in the little bogs that they've got kind of spread throughout their property mm-hmm. because the gators will be killed. And so... Uh, I don't want that NASA guy's job, but kudos to that NASA person for going around hey, and, you know and what? wrangling Stone gators. Made of steel. <laughs> yeah. No, and you know I've seen again down in Southwest Florida. Just it's very common for a cop to hold a gator and like look what I look what I caught today. Like, no, I'm not going to be part of that team. No, nope. thank you. I'm going to be. I give you three months before you try and tap an alligator on the nose. I think you're going to do it. <laughs> we'll I think see. you're going to get you're going to get pressured into doing it. <laughs> Maybe, you know, and instead of instead of getting tased or something, they're going to be like, "All right, catch that alligator." Catch that alligator. <laughs> if you want to be truly accepted, you have to go catch an alligator. Right. No. <laughs> that ain't that ain't my uh that ain't my cut of cloth. No, thank you. Is uh is Florida man a real thing? <sighs> yeah, so I've noticed a lot yeah, so the answer is yes. The short answer is yes. Um a lot of the Florida men that I've come across in the line of duty have been out of staters though, that, cause it's very rare to find someone that's born and bred in Florida, born and bred and raised. Um, everyone's an implant. So many people are implants and like so many times I'll take a call or I'll take a report and it'll be like Florida man, like in my head, I'm, I'm writing the Florida man article. Like, um, Florida man shoots, uh, pulls trigger on world war two style machine gun, uh, at gun show, injuring one. Like that, that, was, that was something that happened, you know? Um, like, why would you do that? What, how do you, but that guy was from New York. So it's like, all right, so it, it happened in Florida, but. But he's a um, New Yorker. And, yeah. Um, but my, my friend and I, we came to a theory about why Florida man exists. And I think it is, well, one is methamphetamine, but two is the humidity. I feel like when you are exposed to so much humidity over an extended period of time, it like, it causes like mildew in your brain or something and you just go nuts. So, <laughs> so I think, I think that's the key. Meth and brain mildew. That's what will lead down the path of the Florida man. It's a path of, Absolutely. it's a path of righteousness. Not, not many can attain. <laughs> yes. It's because we're all, you know, mi- we're missing the methamphetamine ingredient. Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like every once in a while though, you do get a Florida man who is, stands out above the rest. Cause I mean, we do have the best governor in the United States. So, Every once in a while, you get a good one. Yeah, or you get the complete opposite end of the spectrum, and you get, wasn't it Florida where the dude ate the other dude's face? Yes, yep, we did have that too. Can't say I've ever seen that happen in Arizona, but I'm sure that it's coming. We were all up in arms about this drug, and I think it was going to hit you guys before it hit us. It never ended up coming to fruition, but did you guys ever get any, like, emails or heads up about Crocodile? The drug Crocodile? It was made with, like matchsticks and battery acid and some, and it, it kills the user within something like three months. But that, but for those three months, they are batshit crazy insane. 
Yeah, and it like what it eats their skin, yep. so it looks like crocodile yep. skin. Right? Yeah, it eats yeah. their skin. I remember, I remember learning about it, but I don't think we ever dealt with it. We had flocka. You ever had okay. flocka out there? Uh I don't. I haven't personally dealt with anybody who who's done flocka, but it's, you, you haven't personally tried flocka. I haven't personally tried flocka. No, oh. no, not today. I a. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I I want to say I have heard about people encountering it out here. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's not around anymore. I can say that it's um, but it was. I mean, it was like modern day PCP. Um, people would mix it with their weed or their crack or whatever, and they would just get like, you know, PCP strong. And I mean, I've dealt with a few. We had we had like a family, like like three brothers that were just major Flocka users, and you knew that if you were gonna go to that house or that apartment, whatever it was. Uh, the fight was on the moment you stepped on property. Um, but now one of them, because of it, one of it's like, one of them is like mentally retarded. Like it destroyed his brain. The other one, I don't know about, he might be in prison. And then the other one saw his other two brothers getting so messed up. And he was like, Nope, I'm not dealing with that. He's got like brain issues, like, like mental health issues, but he's like basically on the straight and narrow now. Um, but yeah, block is crazy. I want to say that like there were two people that I can think of where we suspected that they'd laced their weed with something. Cause it was just like, there was a dude on a golf course in the middle of the night that his buddies had been out looking for. They'd actually called him in as a missing person around the same time as we got a separate, like check welfare call for this dude, like screaming on the, you know, the, the fucking fairway to the 12th hole or something like that. And it's, it is like 1130 at night. And we're asking these dudes like, what, like, what's he on? And, and, you know, I, go, I don't know, man, it's so weird as they're all in their like pastel colored polos and, uh, fucking white shorts. Uh, and they were all from out of town. And then finally they were like, dude, look, he smoked some weird weed, man. It was like some synthetic weed shit. And we were like, Oh, as soon as like the fire department was there. And as soon as the fire captain heard that he gets on his radio and he was like, go ahead and start the rescue this way. We need to take this dude to the hospital. And then there was another guy that, uh, uh, um, one of my teammates, Tyler, who, uh, God rest his soul. He's no longer with us. Um, he, he passed away last year from COVID complications, but, uh, this, this kid, it took, he was maybe like 140 pounds soaking wet. Um, and it took me and I'm, I'm six foot, 200 pounds. Tyler, who was like six, four, almost like probably like 260, 270, and four firefighters to hold this fucking kid on the ground. Um, and his friends, again, it was like, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, man, it was like something in the weed. So I'm, like now looking back on it, I'm wondering if it wasn't Flocka. Yeah, yeah, or something. I, I didn't deal with it, but one of my partners dealt with someone who was on PCP. So I guess that's coming back too. Oh, so, yay. But, you know, when, when you get with the synthetics, that's, I mean, you know, because we have down here uh, K2 or Spice. I don't know what you yeah Spice. there, but yeah. Yeah. Um, where that has the same effect on people where you like, how, how, what are they tripping on? Oh, they just smoke some weed. Like, nah, dude, they're on K2. Like, just tell me that. So I know. Yeah. Um, you know, cause there's no regulation on it. And I've watched a lot of documentaries on K2 and spice and things like that. And it's just, it's insane. The, uh, that, you know, it's a hundred percent unregulated, which I mean, no street drug is, but it's just crazy that you can legally sell that in the store somewhere. And, you know, like all these like head shops or the, you know, uh, corner markets or whatever. And these, these guys, they go in there, they buy it. And next thing you know, they're eating faces. Yeah. Like you do, you know, it's a pastime really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what else are you going to do? 
I think when a, when a lot of people think Florida cops, I think that the cocaine trade keeps coming to mind. I mean, have you seen a resurgence in that? Is it still kind of like we don't get a whole lot of cocaine out here out west? No, cocaine's kind of very rare. I mean, I have a very vibrant nightclub district where I work, so it's always there. Um, but no, the the street drug of choice, especially where I work specifically, is heroin, fentanyl, and methamphetamine. Yep, so, yeah. That's pretty much that, what we're dealing um, with. And it's it's getting scary to the point of we had a triple overdose about a month or two ago for these kids in the club. They thought they were buying cocaine and they weren't. They bought well, maybe they did, but it was laced with fentanyl or it was cut with fentanyl. And they three of them overdosed. They they all lived. Um but it, so it's it's getting scary. But those those two are or I say two because heroin and fentanyl are almost interchangeable at this point. Um yeah, those two are the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where we're at too, man. It's and it's super sad to see that, you know, just how it destroys these people's lives and but you do, I think as a cop you become I don't know, maybe hardened to it, like not to sound like an asshole, but you 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 work nights and you have so many tweakers tell you, "No, I'm getting clean, man. No, I'm getting clean." And then you're out with yeah. them the very next fucking week taking the same drugs off because county's not going to hold them because then county's just going to yeah. be overwhelmed and so they're getting OR'd or released, you know, the day after you arrest them. Um and then yeah. you see them the next week behind the same CVS or or you know, pr- prowling mm-hmm. through a dumpster trying to find something or stealing fucking copper off of a off of the roof of businesses. Yeah. You know. Um so when I was on my narc unit, we, we were arrested the same people again and again and again, same thing you're saying. And, um, we finally got one of them on a hefty heroin possession charge. I mean, it wasn't like serious weight, but we finally stuck and, uh, she got probation and I, her probation officer worked part-time at the police department. I was like, she's going to violate, like, she's going to violate like right now. Can we just like get, get this going? And, um, she's like, no, we've got to wait. So when I was working narc, she was my target. And sure enough, I was, I was sitting on, uh, on a house where we were getting ready to do a search warrant on it and I was doing surveillance. And I heard over the radio that she had overdosed. I was like, ah, got it. Cause so in Florida, if the user calls and says, Hey, I think I'm overdosing where if someone with the user calls and goes, Hey, my buddy's overdosing. You cannot arrest anyone for possession. Um, it's the good Samaritan law. Like we don't, we don't want to deter them from calling and getting the help they need. But I was like, you know, you got to think outside the box in this job. I was like, okay, that's fine. We're not going to arrest her for possession of the narcotics. But that is a violation of her probation because it says no illegal drug use. So I went and I hooked her up at the hospital. And because I was just doing surveillance anyway, like, I'll wait for the med clearance. I don't care. And sure enough, we did. And it got her off the street, though. You know, so it's when you get there are ways to do it. It's just a long, long, long road to getting some kind of. results yeah yeah and it's you know it, but yeah well you you know it, it is frustrating having the same people be like oh yeah no i'm, I'm clean man oh good when'd you last use last night yeah <laughs> you ain't fucking that's clean. Not clean. <laughs> that's not clean i always ask people like uh you know how long does it take for you to start getting sick and they're like oh uh, like to uh, like 12 or 24 hours like oh okay so uh it's my monday so am i gonna see you out doing the same bullshit tomorrow uh like come on man like you and i both know the answer to that question is yes and i like i worked with dudes um and and myself included on occasion be like hey 
how about this? How about I long form your charges and I will take you to a rehab facility. We have the option to take somebody to a, a rehab facility. Um, uh, and people will take, you know, you start to learn, you think as a new cop, like, Oh, look at me, I'm doing so many good things. And then you start to learn that they're just using it, like using you. Cause Hey, Oh, cool. This cop's not going to take me to jail. And I get a bed for the night. Like sounds pretty good. Yeah. To me. Yeah. But I'm and like, then I'm going to, so nope, you're absolutely right. And then when that chick, uh, you know, when her probation thing was all taken care of, I said, all right. So they, they, instead of being in prison, which she scored, she went to, um, a live in rehab facility. And I said, that's fine. But the moment she absconds, that's a violation. We're going to hook her up and she's going to prison. And they're like, okay. And she stayed, as far as I know, she's either stayed in or she moved out of, out of town. Either way, that's a win for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and- you're right. They'll, they'll game it just as, just as easy as we game the system too. Right. Well, and I, I'm, I would love for these people to get clean because I I could go yeah I could go without ever worrying if I'm about to get stuck with a rusty fucking needle yeah. like I I'm totally cool working out the rest of my career without ever being like if I reach into this person's pocket am I going to uh, need uh, my own Narcan or am I going to contract like HIV or AIDS or or you know some weird shit because God only knows what these people have going on because they're using needles and sharing needles and yeah. Ugh. Yep. And I, I remember when that girl overdosed, I was sitting in her hospital room. I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, you're younger than me. And you're just, I was like, we both know how this story ends. It's never good. Like, you're not going to keep using and, uh, you know, wake up and be fine. We know that. Like, why don't you take this? And, and I've never had an addiction like that, you know, so I can't speak on their behalf. So I'm trying to be open-minded and empathetic. But to me, if I were to overdose, like that would be like, all right, I got to cut this shit out, you know? And it's just not clicking with these people. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you got, you know, if you drink and you got somebody who's coming to you saying, Hey, like you need to maybe chill it with the alcohol. Like there was a point last year where I went to bed every night and I didn't consider myself to have any sort of alcohol abuse issues. But every night I got into bed next to my wife, I cracked open whatever book I was reading and I drank my glass of bourbon. And that was how I went to bed. And, mm-hmm. uh, it did get to the point where my wife looked at me and was like, do you need, do you need to come to bed with a glass of whiskey every night? Or is it something that you're doing like recreationally? And I got a little defensive. And I soon as I realized like, Oh, if I'm getting defensive, like alcoholics get defensive over stuff like that. So I should probably fucking pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I know there was a point last year where, you know, it would be like, Oh man, that was a long week. Let me have a drink to like mm-hmm. cap the week. And then, oh, that was a bad shift. Let me have a drink to cap the shift. And I was like, hold on a second. Like how, every night's a bad night. Like maybe I got to pump the brakes, like you said. And uh, again, I've never considered myself to have a drinking problem at all. But it kind of just comes to that point where it's like, all right, let me let me take a little time off from it. And sure enough, no problem. Yeah, exactly. And that's just as long as you can regulate yourself. And if you struggle, um you know, talking to the listeners out there, if you struggle with that regulation, then you need to talk to somebody about it. I know it can be very challenging to talk to people, uh, especially with, you know, people that you work for or work with. If you've got like a department counselor, because I think in the back of our minds, you're always wondering, well, who are they talking to about this? You yeah, know, that, yeah. That 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 information but has to this, go somewhere. Yeah. And I I'm a big proponent of mental health and talking to people. And um, at one point, in the uh, past two months I was speaking to two counselors because I'm just that special. And, um, and you can even tack on a third one, but he's not a clinician. He's just a cop or a retired cop that gets it. 
So, and I got to tell you, by talking to him for like two hours, he gave me more peace of mind and more clarity than my two counselors did. Um, And sometimes that's all it it takes, but sometimes you need more. Sometimes you do need someone that's a clinician or someone that can help you out. And I am all for it. I'm open with anybody about my own mental health and what I've done and what I need help with just because there could be someone listening or someone who's scrolling through my meme page that feels the exact same way that felt like they were alone. And then they're like, hold on a second. This is really clicking. Like one of my episodes on my podcast. So I've, I've been lucky enough to befriend a, um, I don't know what her actual title is, but she has her PhD and something to do with the brain. And, um, we had a conversation on an, on an episode about ADHD and only because through talking to her, I was like, wow, I think I have ADHD. So I was like, let's, but I always characterize it as either just being awkward or anxious or whatever. And so I, I put that conversation out for people to listen to. And sure enough, my, my Instagram inbox was blowing up on, Oh my God, you guys described me to a T. I just thought this was like a personality flaw. I didn't think it was actually like a, a mental or you know, an illness. And now they're speaking to people. Now they're going to counseling, now, whatever. Great. Like that's the whole point of having conversations like these for people to relate to them, to learn from them. And, you know, so whether it's drinking, whether it's uh, promiscuity, whatever, like don't feel ashamed. And if you don't want to speak to someone at your department, that's fine. But there's so many resources out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kudos goes out to the supervisors like you patrol supervisors or invest, you know, the sergeants and the lieutenants who um, don't shit on your people for for coming to you, yeah. and and likewise, I mean, I know that you've got to maintain some sort of uh, uh, like professional relationship as opposed to a personal relationship. But I've had both lieutenants and sergeants open up about you know their own kind of demons, especially through last year with I think the challenges that just about every yeah. cop in this country was going through. Um, but yeah, kudos to the to the sergeants who are who are out there actually having the the good conversations with with their folks and their troops, uh, um, and and not ostracizing them or looking at them different. Um, and if you're a sergeant, not having those conversations with those people might be something to consider. You know, as far as a, a leadership right. leadership position goes, I think that that helps yeah. build trust. Ultimately, like I've been fortunate, um, just about every supervisor I've worked for, uh, I would. I like I say that I would drive a fucking gasoline truck through the gates of hell for um, and it comes from uh, not only their own like professionalism and their own capabilities as uh, as patrol or investigative supervisors, um, but the fact that they recognize that they're human and they're cops just like us. So, yep, um, I can't say that all my supervisors have been like that, but I can definitely say that there is a good portion of them that I feel the exact same way for. And there's, and there's some that I may not see eye to eye with professionally, but personally as people and they show that side. So I'm okay with them. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you may not be the best boss I've ever had, but you show your human side. You, you know, you take off the badge metaphorically when I need it. And I'm okay with that. Like, yes, as a, here's the thing as a supervisor in this profession, in this line of work, I will always respect you because that is the, that's what we signed up for. We signed up to respect our supervisors, respect the position, not the man. That's kind of where right. it's at. That paramilitary, you know, organization. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, and what I say is you don't have to walk in the door and be a dick to me just so I respect you. Cause you're going to get my respect by being in that position anyway. So why not 
be a human and let me respect you as a person too, because I guarantee you for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, I will work 10 times harder for you if I know you're not a dick. Yeah. Like you can, you can have a heavy hand and like, Hey, discipline is discipline. If you need to discipline me, that's fine. But also be personable. There's no reason. There's nothing. And this is Tom Rizzo. I talked about him previously. He says in his presentation, he goes, there's nothing in any SOP, in any uh, directive, anything that says you can't take care of your people. And it's like, exactly. Like, there's no reason. Like, you can you can be a supervisor, you can be a boss and still be a decent human being. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to, like, I understand that, like, commanding respect as opposed to like demanding respect. So if you yes, go, if exactly. you go, go walking exactly. up and you're like, you know, polishing, you're polishing the brass on your collar, you've got stripes and, and, Oh, I've got stripes. Hear me roar. Um, that's different than like continuing to build your reputation as a supervisor. And you walk into a room and everybody turns to you and is like, yep, that, that supervisor right there. I know that I know they've got, my back and I'm going to have their back. And it's, and I mean, yeah. supervisors, depending on the, the size of your department, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to work for a department that's decent sized, but not so big that, that you get lost in the sauce and you're just a number, but like certain supervisors walk in and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever you need done, I'm going to move fucking mountains for you. And other supervisors walk in and you're like, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to do what you tell me to because you're a supervisor, but right. I, you know, like, uh, like I may, right. I may it, be a little bit goes, of an asshole to you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It goes between, it goes to the point of like doing what's necessary and then doing what's beyond necessary. And that's what like the supervisors that I would, you know, I would really go to bat for if perfect example, I came in, I was working an off duty detail on a shift uh, at a Wawa. It was a three hour detail. When I was done, I was going straight home. That was it. That was my plan. Make my money, go home. Uh, the supervisor who I've known since he was in my position that I'm in right now, uh, and he taught in the academy, taught when I was brand new, uh, great guy, a uh, little dry and sarcastic, which just like me, we get along well. He messages me and goes, hey, uh, it was a Friday or Saturday night. He's like, we're a little short staffed. We've got this big concert coming up in the nightclub district. Can you stay late? I'll pay you. Just can you help me out? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. You know what? You need help. You're willing. You're willing to pay me, but you need help. Absolutely. But if it was one of those other supervisors we were talking about, no, oh, man. Sorry, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. Can't do it. Yeah. Like that's that's exactly it. I you know for for the lesser supervisor, yeah, I'll do whatever is I'm supposed to do. A better supervisor or a great supervisor, I will do above and beyond what you. Do. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I mean, there's something to be said for like I've been in a similar position. Um, where a supervisor got a hold of me after after a night shift and was like, "Hey, dude, I need you to hold over for three hours. Only three hours. You're not going to take a single report. I will have other people write, but I need a body and a beat. Would you please do that?" And same, you know, kind of. I, I knew him from when he was still an officer. Uh, he had been a, a motor officer, like a DUI officer at the time. And I was like, "Yeah, dude, whatever you need, I got you." Uh, but there were other nights where it's like, you know, people are putting out the, "Hey, we need bodies and beats," and it's like, uh, "Nah, I'm good. Like, I don't." Yeah, no, I kind of want to just go and home then, now. Yep. And there's been times where, and, and on the flip side, where there's been times when, hey, I, I need a body. Uh, do you mind coming in? Or just they put out for just blanket overtime. I was like, yeah, I, I could use 12 hours of overtime money. I like that. Uh, come in and they just shit on you. Like yeah. you're doing them a favor and they are just dumping on you. It's like, well, I'm never going to do that again. Fool me once. Um, like 
same story that I just told, different supervisor. I stay late to help him out. He dumps me with a uh, end of shift uh, DUI. I'm like, the fuck? What? Really? And I take it and, you know, it's just like, again, I'm doing it because you're my supervisor, but I ain't going to do it again. Yeah. So. Well, and the same goes for, yeah. um, for other teams of, of people like, uh, you know, you, you may have a, a really awesome supervisor that you've moved mountains for, but like, you don't want anything to do with the team of people that are working for him. Like, no, I'm not going to come and sure. I'm not going to come and hold over for you or come in early for you. Nothing against you, but there are people on your team who won't answer up on the radio. They sit in a fucking grocery store parking lot for their entire shift watching Netflix because they just don't want to do anything. Like, no, I'm not about that life. I'm not going to be a part of that. Right. Of that organization. I'm not going to be the best player on your shift because they suck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to be the best substitute player you ever had. Exactly. So, yeah, which um, I've I've dealt with that also. Yeah. What? Uh, um, like, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I've been on like a special unit, so I wasn't working the road, and I would work some overtime. And you know, I walk in the door, and the supervisors like crying. They're so happy that I'm there because they know that shit's going to get done tonight. And it's like that's a bad sign. Like yeah. I like being wanted, but not for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. The substitute player shouldn't be the best player on the team. Plain and simple, like, and, and I don't think cops should settle for, you know, I think it's one thing to recognize like, oh, that person, like that person's a really good fucking cop. Like they know their shit, but it's another thing for that to be like, oh, that person's a good cop. And I'm okay with being like, you know, I'm going to walk around with that mug that says I'm the world's okayest police officer like that. That's kind of an unacceptable stance personally. Not, Not in this profession. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when I show up, I show up to work. Like, that's it. You know, I'm going to like, like right now, even though I'm in the middle of a transition in my career and people are like, oh, you're just going to loaf it for the next couple of weeks. I'm like, no, man, I'm, I'm getting paid. I'm going to show up. I'm going to work. You know, I'm starting to get that senioritis feeling. So maybe I'll dial it back a little bit. But my plan and my mentality is no, I'm still showing up to work, which means I'm showing up to work. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have had had some conversations with people because there's there's certain officers that, you know, you get off at at. 1230 at night and uh, uh, 1227 comes around and a, a hot call or some sort of critical incident comes out. And there's a lot of people that are like, oh, man, that sucks. Well, anyways, log off. Um, and, but, you know, on the flip side, like it is it, it's nice to know there are still cops out there that are like, fuck it, I'm getting paid until 1230. And if I work over that all well, I work over that. But it sounds like those guys may need our help. So let's fucking go do this. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree 100 percent with you. No harm, or no like foul. When, yeah, and when I wasn't on the road and I heard a hot call come out, well, my badge ain't broken, so I went and threw my tack vest on and I went to work. Like, yeah. If you need help, I'm coming to you. It's not like, oh, you know, oh, that's a patrol issue. Well, yeah, but I'm still a cop. I can still do I can still do my job. Yeah, yeah. I remember one night we had a critical incident with an officer get wounded, and uh, um, I texted one of the supervisors. I'm like, yo, do you need us? Like, I had literally just laid my head down on my pillow, and – I had texted him earlier. He didn't respond because he was dealing with the shit show. Um, and then like lay my head down on my pillow and he texts, uh, texts my entire patrol team. Like, Hey, we need you guys. Like if you can't make it, you can't make it, but we really need you back. One of our guys drove. He lives like almost an hour away from our station and he still got in his fucking car and went to work that night because somebody needed help. Like that says a lot. That says a lot about the caliber of that officer. Of course. So and I'm, I'm not trying to like, you know, jack myself off here like i'm not the world's greatest police officer or anything like that by by no means but if you're going to go into if you're going to go into this profession like understand that there are certain 
perhaps unwritten expectations of you and your reputation means everything in this, uh, in this career field. Um, so, you know, do what you can and, and strive to always make it a good one. And if you're going to get, you're going to fuck up, especially, you know, you new officers out there, uh, newer officers, you know, somebody just starting, like take your lumps, learn from it, move on. Don't sit there and argue like with somebody who, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't sit there and argue with your supervisor over something that they correct you on. Just, you know, unless it's, unless they're completely agree just because they don't know like case law or something like that, which, Hey, we've all been there too. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, the new guys that come out and they're super arrogant and like, Oh, I know everything. You don't, you really don't, unless you're new, but you've been a cop for 10 plus years, um, you know, switching that's the only exception. Everyone else shut up and listen and learn. Yeah. Like that's the best advice that I could ever. People always reach out to me on Instagram. Like, Oh, I'm just starting the Academy. I'm just starting FTO. What's, what's the, what's the number one tip? Shut up, listen and learn. That's yeah. it. Like, and stay humble. Like don't get, yeah, don't get sure. two, three years into this job and start strutting around like a fucking peacock thinking that you're hot shit. And, you know, somebody walks past, you smiles. Hey, how's it going? And you're oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. like, you're some fucking GI Joe. Yeah. Like, no, nah, chill, right. homie. Like, you, you and I make the same <laughs> amount of money. You're not as cool as you think you are. <laughs> right, not at all. You're not. not all. And he, you're not fucking SEAL Team Dev Grew Six or some bullshit like that. And even those dudes, <laughs> even those dudes, probably be like, you're an arrogant prick. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's just like I don't know. I especially when guys start making special teams, you know, they get on SWAT or they get narcotics or they get CID. Great. Good for you. Happy for you. But you stop, man. You're, you're, you're still new. You can't even spell subpoena. Like, come on. Yeah. Just get off of it. Yeah. yeah no, he said sub subpoena. There's a B in there, which is weird. My I, <laughs> like fucking, uh, uh, bureau and Lieutenant subpoena bureau and Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like are like the three ones where For you have me, to actually sit and think about. Yep. For me, it's always, it's the, it's the double vowels. I'm like, all right, which order do they go in? Right. Oh, the E, which way that gets me every time. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. What are your thoughts on, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're moving off to a new department. Um, what, uh, I, I know that especially in 2020 and, and it, we're still seeing the residual effect of it now, uh, with a lot of people considering, uh, lateraling you know, either to different part departments where maybe they're more appreciated uh, or different States where, where the people don't want to fucking kill them as soon as they drive through the gate. Um, <laughs> what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on, on moving to a new agency? What prompted that? And, uh, uh, I mean, what do you think about essentially going back in on the ground floor and being the new guy again? Yeah. Um, so my, my move is completely personal. Um, my girlfriend lives across the state and she's not able to move for her own personal and professional reasons. So, uh, you know, we've been together for about three years and someone had to make a move if we were going to keep doing this. So I I weighed everything out and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the job. So I looked at a bunch of different agencies down that way. Um, The biggest one that I looked at was Tampa PD. And I was like, you know, and this is in the heart of 2020. I was like, you know what? Being a cop in a big city does not sound like a good time. Does not. Yeah, it's got the money and benefits and all these cool things. I don't care. Like the bells and whistles is not always at the grass isn't always greener. So, you know, as I start looking at different agencies down there and looking at different communities, um, you know, I, yes, it was a, it was a very bitter pill to swallow to think that, yes, I'm starting at day one. And, um, I was not looking forward to that, but you know, 
sometimes you got to take your, like you, like you just said, you got to take your lumps and you got to start in. And even though I'll be starting day one professional, uh, you know, in that agency, um, it's not my day one. Um, so my knowledge and experience is still there. And I think that's, what's going to make it more survivable. Right. Um, like I could, you know, when I first started and I was thinking of changing agencies then just because, you know, I was new and I didn't know anything. Um, I was dreading the idea of doing FTO again. Now I don't care. Now it's just like, I know how to do my job. I know how to do my job. Well, um, well, at least well to the point of not getting scared or sued. Um, I'm comfortable with that. Right. So that's kind of what made things a little bit easier for me. Um, I, I would like to say that if, if my personal life was different, I could see myself staying in my agency that I'm currently at right now. Um, you know, it's been very good to me and I've been, uh, very fortunate by working there. Um, but on the flip side, you know, 2020 definitely changed some perspectives for me. Um, working in a more urban environment. Now I'm looking more suburban or even rural, you know, cause that's, unfortunately that's the nature of the beast right now. The more urban you're working, the more negativity that's around you. Luckily, big knock on wood that my city has not even talked about defunding. They haven't talked about anything like that. Um, very pro police, very pro our police department. Um, but that doesn't change some of the community's uh, thoughts towards the police. And that was really one of the deciding factors uh, towards if I was going to move or stay. So, um, yeah, so it's it's scary, you know, starting all over again. But, again, I'm comfortable in my profession to, to do it. So that made me comfortable in the decision. Yeah. Well, good, man. And, uh, and you know, uh, wish you all the best and all the, all the successes. Um, one thing I, I, I do want to get into, um, in, in today's day and age with the, uh, you know, proliferation of social media, uh, you have cops like us trying to, to do our small part in this world to show people that like, Hey, we're fucking human too. Um, you know, we bleed, we cry, we, we feel all the same feelings that, that everybody else does sometimes for different reasons. Um, but you've got agencies like, uh, um, what comes to mind out at least on the West coast, LAPD are going after officers for like personal Instagram pages. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yet here you and I are with, uh, uh, with our own social media presences, um, for, for being cops. How did, how did 10, eight get its start? Uh, and, and has there ever really been any concern? Like, is your admin on board? Do they just, you know, the less they know the better or not to, not to put you on the spot with that, but no, no. So it's interesting. So, I can say my new agency, I don't know what they know. So we'll just leave that there. Um, my current agency, though, because I'm out the door, um, I'm kind of like, eh, they know, they know. So 10-8 started um, in August of 2019 uh, as the meme page, only because um, I've been making memes since I was in the academy, just making fun of people that I was in the academy with. No big deal. And then it started going to just being uh, work memes. And I was sending them to my buddies. Well, I made one. And then just because I am who I am, and like I said, George Carlin's an inspiration of mine, I always just liked comedy. So I would make general ones and send them out, make people laugh. I sent one out. It was a, uh, a trooper meme, or a trooper city cop meme. And 
that's it. I sent it to a couple of buddies. Well, I'm scrolling Facebook one day and I see my meme being shared by a huge uh, Instagram, YouTube uh, police officer star thing. And it was getting millions or a couple hundred thousand likes. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. So I reached out to him and said, hey, man, I made that meme. And he's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll go fuck like, myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I got to go make a page just just for the point of being able to to mark my stuff so it doesn't get stolen again. And if it does, I get credit. So I did. I made the I made the ten eight memes page and I started like just putting out more content, thinking it was going to go absolutely nowhere. And when people from California and across Florida and just through across the nation started liking my stuff through you know the the different features on instagram i was like whoa this is crazy and then i started talking to people and kind of building a network and through word of mouth the pages kept growing and growing and growing and a year ago um probably almost around to the date i started tossing around the idea of a podcast so i released that um on my one year anniversary of existence and um, you know, as the people I work with, so I'm, I'm anonymous. Like I don't show my face. I don't say my name. Um, some people know it. Some people find it out and it started leaking through my department. And I remember we were on scene of a possible critical incident as it started to break down. Someone comes up to me and goes, Hey, are you the 10, eight guy? And I was like, uh, depends on who's asking. Maybe, and, maybe not. Maybe yeah. go fuck yourself. And then, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And then it starts like going and going. I was like, yeah, it's me. And then started like, I stopped hiding it. I remember uh, the supervisor I was talking about earlier, the one that I knew from when he was an officer, he starts bringing up my podcast in briefings. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's a, it's a thing. He's like, you know, he just starts busting my balls about it. Um, said it in front of the captain, said it in front of the lieutenant. I'm like, well, cat's kind of out of the bag now. But I don't say or do anything that I would see as, egregious or inappropriate or anything you know some of the jokes some of the content may be a little cheeky but nothing too bad sure um and then you know some of my drunk cop episodes those are the ones that kind of make me sweat a little bit while i'm sleeping but other than that everything's been fine so earlier this week um my chief comes up to me and he's like hey you know i hate to see you go blah 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 and a captain just happens to be with him he's like yeah well you know He's got his podcast now. I think he'll be fine. My chief was like, you have a podcast? I was like, yeah, oh, fuck. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, at this point, you know, like, I think it is it is what it is. Like, if my current age or my future agency is like, hey, man, we found out about the podcast. We don't love it. Can you stop doing it? I'd be like, sure. I've said this since day one. My career is worth way more than any internet situation. Sure. Um, so, so if they ask me to take it down, I will. Um, but again, I don't talk about my agency directly. I don't talk about myself directly. And it's nothing that I would, my, my whole like rule of thumb is like, don't post anything you don't want to see on CNN tomorrow. Right. Um, which there's been so many meme pages that have ended up on CNN and I don't want to do that. You know, nothing that would embarrass myself, my family or my agency. And I don't think I do that, but you know, everyone's got their own different taste of sense of humor. Um, I think that the memes and the community that the memes have created um, is worth more than just a few like, you know, dick jokes or whatever. Um, same with the podcast. I think 
just like yours. I think it has a lot of value beyond just bullshitting and chatting. Um, but at the end of the day, if the boss doesn't like it, the boss doesn't like it, and that's that. Right. Um, so I've been very humbled by the fact that 10.8 has gotten to where it is. Uh, every day it kind of blows my mind that for me being in a new apartment and board has spawned into this is just crazy. Um, the, when I realized I had something more than just simple memes, um, it was like December of 2019 and I got, I used to do these like code four checks on my stories where people, you know, Hey, how you doing? You doing all right. And the guy reached out to me and said, yeah, well, my buddy got shot and died a few days ago and, uh, have been really doing too well, but you know, your memes kind of cheer me up a little bit. They give me like a little glimmer of hope. And I, I was, I was knocked to the floor with that one. I was like, what I remember screenshotting the message, sending it to my girlfriend, like, what do I say to this guy? Like, yeah. I don't, I, I don't even know. So, you know, we started talking and, you know, I, I made sure to check on him a few, every few months, you know, Hey, how you doing? Um, and he's doing okay. A few weeks ago, someone hit me up for a patch trade from that same agency. And it was just like, it almost felt like full circle. So I don't know. I feel like, not to sound like too cocky or whatever, but I feel like I'm doing more than just memes. And I never would have thought that in the beginning. Um, and that's really the only reason I keep doing it. Cause I get hard on myself. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I've done enough of this, but I realize that the people that do tune in, so to speak, you know, it's for the right reasons. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. No, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, and I think it's the content of, uh, you know, of the podcast. Like I had, uh, a supervisor approached me and be like, Hey, you understand that like this shit could get brought up in court on like when you're on trial for one of your cases, like, okay. And like, wh what are they going to say? Uh, he swears a lot and he's got a podcast like, okay. <laughs> and yeah. like, how does that affect right. this trial? Like, I don't talk about my cases on this podcast. Like I, I just right. won't, you know, maybe, maybe when I retire, um, and, and sit around telling war stories and write that best selling novel that I always promised myself I'm going to write. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, I, I, the best advice I ever got was actually from, uh, one of my assistant chiefs who actually sent me, um, you know, big shout out to him. He knows if he's listening, he knows who he is. Uh, but he, uh, he sent me one of my more recent guests, uh, you know, sent me his contact information and said, Hey, you should reach out and talk to this guy. He's got a hell of a story. Um, and then, cause I was, you know, you, you talked about your drunk cops episode and you're sweating a little bit. Like I've, I've recorded these episodes and I've been like, uh, like I'm, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall. I'm waiting for something in admin to be like, Hey bro, time to kill it. Which is like you said, it's fine. I mean, I've got, thousand dollars worth of podcasting equipment i'll start a history podcast or something completely unrelated to law right, enforcement right, yeah. know, I'll, I'll find a use for it that they can't be too upset with like uh uh you know it is what it is but uh but his piece of advice was similar to what you just said is hey just be smart like be careful about it be smart and, and that's it so that's you know you, like you said you, yeah, you, you it, and you have a higher level of anonymity that i do i mean i my face crops up you know occasionally on uh, on it, I say occasionally my face crops up on, on my Instagram page, uh, and people know that, you know, know that I'm Kevin, but I don't delve into the departments that I work for. And, uh, uh, right. you know, the, the, the kind of work that I, that I do is just, you know, it's just best to leave that out. I think to a certain point, maybe one day, but sure. But I don't, I don't, and, I don't know, need to be my, I don't need to be one of those cops with the, who gets their job, you know, threatened by because they have something and else then, going on. And then they choose social media over it. I, that's happened. I've seen it time and time again where 
people were offered positions at different agencies and then they're like, yeah, you just gotta, you gotta can the social media. And they're like, nah, this is, this is, this is my future. Like, no, come on, man. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, but it's, that's the generation we're living in, man, where people would prefer to be, you know, internet famous over a hard day's work, you know, which I get to an extent because if I can make a lot of money by not doing any work, sounds great. But they're not making a lot of money and they're not doing a lot of work. So they're literally just wasting their time, you yeah. know? So it's, it's like a, I don't know. I was going to say false sense of reality. Just, I don't get it. And my thing, you know, you've, you've had some uh, substantial people on your podcast and so have I, like I've had, I had a Grady Judd on mine a few weeks ago and that was the big one. That was the test. That was like, that was the litmus test where is this thing going to stay? Like, is this reputable or should I start, you know, closing shop. And when I had his uh, assistant review my page to make sure that the sheriff would be appropriate, you know, it would be appropriate enough for it. And she did. She's like, yeah, it's good to go. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Like I am, I'm all in now. So that's, that was, like I said, it was a litmus test to like, now I'm going to reach out to more, you know, chiefs of staff, you know, police chiefs and, and uh, sheriffs and stuff like that. Cause now I'm comfortable with it. Like, yeah, I have kind of silly episodes. Sure. But, for, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. And that's really, at the end of the day, I can go to bed and I know I'm not going to wake up in the morning going, oh shit, what did I post? Right. So. Right. Well, and I'll have people reach out to me every now and then like, uh, you know, I, I can guarantee that one of the first people to listen to the episodes that I post is one of my best friends at the department. And uh, uh, there's been a couple of times where he's, he's listened to stuff about, hey, dude, I don't know if you missed this or not, but like you need to maybe like go back in and, and edit this. And so I'll pull the episode, edit it real quick and then post it back up. I mean, I try not to take out, try not to take out too much, but if it's something that I think I can get my ass handed to me for, then it's like, nah, just, I'll just cut it. But yeah, there's too many influencers in this world, man. Too many people all their whole goal in life is to be an influencer as opposed to somebody who's, you know, willing to truly have influence on the world, which is, as you said, is just working hard. Doesn't mean you don't have to be, you know, blue collar or white collar, just as long as you're, as you're doing the job, you know, as long as you're doing, doing something worthwhile, putting food on the table for your family and, and keeping, uh, you know, keeping your moral compass more or less, more or less, uh, straight and narrow, um, then, then I think you're doing it right. And if you happen to, to be able to, uh, you know, make money at, at this like side gig that you have, but that's just, it, it, it's a side gig, right? Like side gig hobby, you know, and I, yeah, if I if I can make money off of this, great. That's cool. And there has been a few times where like, you know, I sell stickers and t-shirts and stuff. There's been a few times where, hey, I made my, my utility payment with it. I made a car payment with it. Right. Cool. That's great. Like, I feel great about it. But it's not what I'm relying on. It's not, I mean, you know, it's it, it's a hobby. And every once in a while it pays me back. But for the most part, it's for my own entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I would not mind cutting my mortgage payment in half every month, but you know, Hey, we'll get, there. Yeah, we'll yeah. get there or we won't either way. I don't care. I've got a good job. I've got good benefits. I've got, you know, a family who loves me and, and I still, you know, this is something that I can do and still spend time with them. So although today yeah. I like spending time with them, uh, maybe not at a cracker barrel at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, Cause holy yeah. I mean, shit. Was it busy? <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like that's just, I said this last night. So we went to we went to a concert last night, and on the way home we stopped at a Denny's, and it was just the manager and the cook working. That was it. And I was like, man, COVID really killed casual dining. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with with everyone not working, and then just because think about it, fast food's never going to die. Um, 
And with these delivery services like the Grubhubs and the, the DoorDash and all that stuff, but casual dining, yeah, every once in a while they'll have the to-go orders. But for the most part, sitting down at like a, at a chain restaurant like a Chili's or an Applebee's or Cracker Barrel, the experience is just dead. Like no one wants to wait that long to eat, you know? Right. So I, I, I agree completely with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You get into the mentality of, uh, of I want it and I want it now. So where's, uh, where's, yeah. where's 10, eight going to be at in five years? What do you, what do you, uh, uh, you transfer to your new agency. They're good with, uh, with the podcast and, and the page. What, uh, what do you want to see happen in, in the next five years, man? For me personally, or with, with like my little 10, eight empire here? Uh, let's do both. Okay. Me personally and professionally, I mean, you know, hoping to do the whole marriage and kid thing. Uh, hoping to be not on patrol. I mean, if I'm still on patrol, that's okay. But, you know, I like, my goal is to be a detective, but I don't want to do it too early in my career. So, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll be expo- exploring like a, a traffic cop or some kind of interdiction type thing. Uh, if my agency is cool with that, but the 10, eight, I don't know. I don't know if I have a five-year plan for 10, eight, I'm kind of taking it one year at a time. Um, last year I thought I was going to expand a little bit more with merchandise and like doing different things. And that didn't really go the way I thought it was going to be. So I'm in the, in the process of revamping the podcast. I'm in a like season break. Um, when it comes back, hopefully I'll have a higher production value and that'll entice some people. If that's the case, cool. Um, I would much rather put more effort into the podcast and the memes. If I'm being hundred percent honest, I just, I enjoy it a little bit more and it, it takes a little bit more effort. Yeah, You know, I can sit on the toilet, crank out five memes and call it a day. Uh, the podcast takes time and effort. Um, so I'm trying to up the production value. I'm getting, hopefully getting new equipment, getting like things to sound and look a little bit better. Um, so we'll just see how it goes. Um, I was talking with someone about maybe revamping the whole merchandise situation, getting better designs, getting new shirts and stuff. If that's the case and maybe it'll crank out more money. Cool. If not, you know, right now it's kind of a, a lost endeavor. So, you know, I'm kind of shying away from it. But we'll see. I'm kind of taking that one year at a time. And again, if the boss says, yeah, we're not loving it. Cool. Then I'll either pass it off to somebody else. I'll pass the baton or just say adios. Yeah. Yeah. The merchandising thing is a, it's a, a kind of an interesting fence to, to jump over. Cause you sit there and you're like, am I going to shell out like a thousand dollars for a new logo design? Cause I've considered the same thing, mm-hmm. man. Like I, I, I love my logo, but my logo started when I was attempting to, to have a Kydex holster business along with, you know, 44,000 other people making Kydex holsters. But, uh, um, I, I dig the logo so much. Um, that being said, I wouldn't mind it being tweaked because the guy who made my logo, uh, had no problem making a logo for a, a holster business, but he's pretty anti-cop now. Um, mm-hmm. just based on, uh, and, and he and I were, you know, we're, we're friends to a point. Um, but based on his, his social media posts the last, you know, year and a half or so. It's like, ah, like I'd like to keep my logo, but maybe tweak it just a little bit to, to kind of, you know, get the taste out of my mouth, so to speak. But it's, you know, okay, well, am I going to do, am I going to do hats? Am I going to do, you know, stickers and t-shirts and all that stuff? How much money am I willing to shell out for all of this? And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, how much will I see in return? Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, it's an interesting thought to, to kind of grapple with. Yeah, it is. And like, I, I have so many ideas for merchandise and stickers and like, oh man, I would like that. Like if I saw that, I would buy that. And then I make it, I post it and it 
goes stagnant. Like right. there might be a there might be an instant sell, but then like I look around my room right now and there's just T shirts that never sold, there's stickers that never sold, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? And I've tried, you know, doing fire sales and like just get this shit out of my house and it's still here. So it's like I'm not comfortable you know, it, it's the inner debate of how much more investment do I wanna right. make. Right. The last the last batch of stickers and patches that I made for the holster company. Uh, I still have the colorway is completely wrong for the podcast, but the logo is the same. So I've just been giving those like I'll Mm -hmm, I'll give those mm -hmm. out every now and then if somebody wants one like, oh, yeah, here you go. Take it like I'm not going to charge you. I bought these things like four or five years ago. Like I'm not going to sit there and charge you money for them. They've just been sitting in my drawer for the past five years. Right. I took them at this point. Yeah, take them. I took the hit. Just like clean it out. Like, oh, well, (laughs) if somebody asks you what it is, tell them maybe, hey, you should listen to this podcast like there. That's my payment. I would be extremely grateful for that. So. Yeah, if, if I get an uptick of like ten new listeners, that's that, that's payment. Yeah, yeah, no joke, man. Um, not to uh, not to put you on the spot, but do you have uh, do you have a guest that's been like one of your top? Like, holy shit, I can't believe I got to talk to that person. Uh, Grady Judd is definitely there. Um, you know, he's just I don't know if he's like known out west, but in Florida, he's like the pinnacle. Like he is he is law enforcement. Like he is just tough talking. Like you know, don't, don't do shit in my county kind of thing. So is he a um, sheriff? He's a sheriff. Okay. Yeah. So we, our, um, our version of that would be Mark lamb down in Pinal County. Okay. 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 Um, yeah. So he's probably, he's been the, the biggest one. Uh, he's just the fact that I got to talk to him, you know, and I've seen him, you know, rubbing elbows with Donald Trump and DeSantis and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It was humbling. Like, there's no reason he should be on my podcast, but he was. And it's like, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So. I mean, you know, and that's just, I, somebody asked me like, well, what do you enjoy about podcasting? Like, what's so cool about it? I'm like, dude, the fucking people I get to talk to, man, the conversations yeah, that I get yeah. to have, you know, like, and that's, that's the thing. If, if you remove him from my lineup, I mean that, then it's a hard question because it's just, I've talked to, um, like internet famous cops. Like I've had officer Smith and deputy hook them on, which are great guys. Like once like you start talking to them on a personal basis, like they're just like everybody else, of course. Um, but then I've talked to just like random cops from across the country and it's been great, you know? So it's just, like you said, I love the conversations. I love meeting these new people. Um, all my interviews have been over like zoom or something similar. So I haven't met these people in person yet, but I feel like I've known them for years. Right, 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 right. Yeah. The, uh, the goal is to, uh, uh, I would like to, so the, what got me into podcasting was, uh, was the mic drop podcast with Mike Ritland who's a Navy seal, uh, and a canine handler. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's at the point where he was bringing people out to his house and like cooking for them. Mm-hmm. And then he'd sit and record an episode with them. Um, uh, you know, if I could get to that point, that would be, that would be awesome. But again, likewise, you know, like, do I want to give up Right now, I'm just in the front room of my house. Like, do I want to rent out an office somewhere and spend even more money? Like, eh. and then if I get to a point where the admins, you know, admin changes, right? So, oh, did we freeze? Oh, do we? No, I still got you. Can you, uh, can you see me at all? Can you hear me? I think you're frozen on your end. Oh, low battery. Well, folks, if you're still listening in, we are trying to get Charles back on. Um, I don't think I'll edit this part out because now you guys know the, uh, the issues that we have. So, hey, are we back? Because uh, I'm unstable. That's, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. 
We're good. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, cool. Fair enough. Um, anyways, as, as I was saying, the, you know, you, you battle back and forth with, okay, what am I going to do with the podcast? Meeting people in person is cool. Like if I could have an, my own little office and recording studio, that'd be awesome. But if it never expands beyond the front room of the house, like it is what it is, you know, on, uh, yeah. I have to answer to my yeah, wife well, about that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it comes down to how much of me am I willing to give up for it? You know, right. Um, yeah. The, uh, the guy that got me into podcasting was, uh, Ryan Mickler. He does the order of man podcast. Oh yeah. yeah. He's got yep. his own like log cabin out in Maine or something. And you know, he's got both things he does in person and he does over the internet interviews. And yeah, that, that'd be great where he just kind of, you know, I listen to guys like Andy Priscilla and um, all these like self-made guys that just do their own thing. And it's great. It's ideal. I don't think it'll ever happen, but it's great. You know, so I just, I just, the thing I like about podcasting is just the honest and genuine conversations you can have with people. It's not canned interviews that like you, that's what the first podcast I ever listened to was like a New York Yankees podcast or a baseball podcast. And it was, uh, just players talking shit. And I was like, this is so cool. It's not just like an ESPN interview where they just say what, you know, their team lets them say, right. They're just talking. And that's how I feel, you know, doing a cop podcast or like you said, a history podcast when, when the time comes. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever, I mean, I don't ever want to have a guest on here where it's like, here's the questions you're allowed to ask me. So it's like, no, that, that's not yeah. how, that's not how I run my show. Like, I've had a couple people say, Hey, you should have some politicians on. There's a couple of local Arizona folks who are running for office that I've reached out to. Um, and you get the, uh, Oh, please reach out to our assistant and they'll get you scheduled. Mm-hmm. But at the same, like if that's the response that I'm getting, like, uh, you know, and I understand that, Hey, right. you're busy, you're running for, for some sort of office, but am I going to get handed a sheet of paper that says you're not allowed to ask these questions? Like, I think, it, yeah. part, part of having and, a part of having a show is asking the the hard questions and the tough questions and having those honest conversations. Right. And when I had Sheriff Judd on, he uh, his assistant was like, you know, can you just give us your questions? And uh, which is fine, you know, because with me, I get it. He's an elected official and whatever. But they didn't say no. You can't ask this. You can't ask this. He was just very and and he gave me way more than I was expecting when I asked some of the questions. Like I was expecting him to give me a canned response and he get, he went off the cuff and I was like, perfect. Like he doesn't care. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of what I like, you know, I, like you said, I like when people just kind of go off the cuff, they kind of go down the rabbit hole and, um, get the real conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's when you get that, that real conversation and you get people to, to chase the rabbits, man, that's, that's, I think when you get, get your best content. So. Yeah. And on the flip side, there's the guys where you ask them a question, you think it's going to be a good one. And it's like pulling teeth, like, come on, man, give me more. Just like, keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of it, I think comes with, you know, you get some folks who, um, uh, interviewing isn't their strongest skill, you know, their strongest skill set. And so, uh, you get some people who, who have a, I don't want to say a flair for the dramatic and the theatric, but that, that can be helpful to a point. If you like, like, Hey, you've listened, like you've probably listened to a podcast. Like you kind of understand the give and take, like I'll ask a question and then I, I want you to speak. Uh, even now I hesitate cause I feel like I've spoken more or as much as you. Uh, but then again, I guess that's, that's just part of having a conversation. So. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You talk what you know about, I talk what I know about, right. and we're good. Um, but yeah, there's sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, I can't keep, 
lead in this conversation. I need you to take the reins. And, you know, but yeah, it comes to, and what we talked about in the beginning, where people are not always comfortable talking and opening up and talking freely. Um, so it, it'll come. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. Yeah. If it doesn't, you'll see 10, eight and I with uh, history podcasts where we wear smoking jackets and sit in very plush leather chairs and, you know, <laughs> read, yeah, read many leather bound podcast. books. It'll be, it'll be yeah. a, a bourbon history podcast and we'll read from leather bound books and, uh, sit in, sit in chairs of, of supple leather and, and, <laughs> and on, you know, tables of hand carved mahogany or something along those lines. So. Right. Right. And debating <laughs> the uh, thought process of Louis the 14th. Exactly. Be like, no, I disagree. I don't think that's what he was talking about at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh man. Well, Hey, we've had a really good conversation for the last hour and a half, man. I really appreciate, uh, uh, you taking the time to come on, uh, come on my show. Uh, it's, it's a humbling experience every time I get a guest on here because I sit there and I wonder who the hell's going to want to sit and talk to me for an hour and an hour and a half of their, <laughs> of their weekend. Um, but no, man, uh, uh, big shout out to you and, and your Ted ain't podcast and the meme page you do, uh, you do solid work. You bring the laughs, you bring the serious conversations when the, when those need to be had. So, uh, keep up the, the, the fucking good work that you're doing, man. And, and, uh, Again, wish you the best of luck with your move out to uh, out to West Florida. There. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I uh, appreciate the time. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I enjoy talking to to you. I just I just enjoy getting you know the different messages out there. You know, the big thing for me, like I said, has been the mental health thing. Just to have someone listen and be like, yeah, you're absolutely right, um, means a lot. Um, you know, I really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, absolutely. I do have my very last question for you is that, uh, okay. you, you've got a, you've got a microphone to the world, uh, which, which you already know from running your own show, but what is something that the world needs to hear from 10, eight? That's the stumper question. Man. That's, that's <laughs> I got you. Um, I got you on, on a philosophical uh, ground. <laughs> you did. You did. Um, you know what I will. So the past like two months have been very uh, difficult for me. Uh, I had a lot of tragedies happen. Um, my good buddy at work, I shot, uh, he's living, but it's, it's going to be a long road. And then, uh, a few weeks later, my sister passed away, uh, unexpectedly. So what I would say to everybody is, uh, cherish the ones you love, let them know you love them. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, live like you're dying, uh, treat every day like it's your last. And, uh, I think if we do that, if our, if all society does that, I think we'll fix a lot of problems. Yeah, because I think if you can focus focus more on yourself, what's that? Uh, uh, one of those like Vine videos where the little girls like worry about yourself. Like, just do that. Focus yeah. on you. Stop being a Karen. Stop being so worried about you know what your neighbor down the street is doing, and just just live your life. Exactly. All right. Easy enough, man. That's a good, good, uh, good response. And it's, uh, something that, that I think people need to be reminded of, uh, you know, For sure. at this point, For almost, sure. you know, we, almost weekly, like stop living through other people. You know, you log on to Instagram and you're, you, Oh, Oh, this person's out in Ibiza. Oh, this person's out racing. I don't know. Trophy trucks through the desert. Oh, this person's out <laughs> right. showering themselves in gold coins with their stripper girlfriend or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. you know, just, Hey, that, a lot of it's bullshit guys. Like that's, you know, not everybody's, not everybody's as cool as you think they are. Like just, just be you just go out and live. Yeah. Be you. And, you know, just make sure you, you know, 
take care of you, take care of the people around you. And that's really all that matters. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you get on with your day. Enjoy the rest of your time on call. Um, I, uh, I hope it just started. It just started. I hope your phone does not ring unless you want the overtime. Um, I, I'm, prefer not to, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, see what happens, man. I, I, uh, I'm not going to throw out the words that are, uh, uh, Please do are, not. are bad Please luck do charms. Not. I won't do that to you. Um, I, I'm not, at least not right now, uh, as I get to know you a little bit more and, and think it's funny, maybe I'll do it, but no, I, I wish, uh, I wish you the best of luck with, uh, with moving forward, man. And, and, uh, uh, safe travels there across the state and, and, uh, and getting settled into your new agency. And, uh, I think I'll, I'll have you back on the show. Uh, you know, Sweet. We'll see about you know a year a year on from now a new agency yeah. and, and maybe maybe uh, you put a ring on it and we'll see where we're at. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, man. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Well, hey, you have a good rest of your day, uh, everybody. I appreciate you listening in. If you need to reach out to me, uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Though I don't do a lot on Facebook. Oh, ten eight. How do people find you on social media if they haven't already? Um, so Instagram is the primary. Uh, Instagram is ten t e n eight. E-I-G-H-T underscore memes. So just spell it all out. That's the Instagram. And then just look up 108 podcast on your local or, you know, your whatever podcast or listening platform you're on and I'll be there. Excellent. Get after it. Go and support 108 memes. Um, he, he works very hard uh, to bring us mere mortals, our memes every day. Uh, <laughs> he farms them. He hunts them. He uh, he tracks them through many forests and tall mountains and deep <laughs> oceans. Uh, so go back out and support him. Uh, this has been another episode of the Blue Line Millennial Podcast. Stay safe. We'll see you on the road.